Good morning again. My name is Justin Otto. I'm the youth pastor at the church. If you don't know who I am, it's my turn in the rotation to lead you, and I'm thankful to have the opportunity. The uh, video there, I think, summed it up in a lot of ways. For many of us that are older, I think we can look back over our lives and see many years and many experiences where we felt like they were the, maybe the worst years, the worst experiences we ever faced. But as we've grown up and moved forward, we've seen how God was faithful in those moments. I've seen a lot of memes this week referring to 2020 and how bad it was and how terrible it was. And for many people, there's been many hardships with it. But I do want to reassure us and encourage us today that God is still on the throne. He's still faithful. He was not surprised by anything. And it's so good that we can be here together and worship him. He has been faithful throughout. And that's really my, my heart for this past year when I've whined and complained and I've, uh, you know, just not enjoyed the experience of everything that's happened uh, this past year. I just remember God has been faithful before. He'll be faithful again. And we can rest on that. He is still on the throne, not surprised by anything, but actually using this for good. So I am, uh, I'm excited about what the new year holds for us, but I'm very thankful for what this past year has uh, brought to us as well. As we get ready to uh, worship the Lord through the message, I just want us to uh, pray together as a congregation. So if you join me in that at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with eager hearts, excited hearts, for what you have in store for us today, January 3rd, 2021. Father, you've been faithful before, you'll be faithful again. Your mercies are new each morning. Help us to grab a hold of those. Help us to remember who you are, what you have done for us, and what you are doing for us, and what the future looks like for us as victors in Christ. Father, we just give you praise this year for your faithfulness in every way. As a church, we just give you praise for your, your, your generous people who have given throughout the year to keep the ministry going here at Lakes Free. We give you praise for how you have continued to do ministry here, even allowing us to be able to live stream it so people can see it uh, from a distance, but still be a part of the body. Father, we are so thankful that your Holy Spirit is moving. We're so thankful that you've got a plan that has been woven through this whole past year, the years before, and the years ahead. Father, as we get into your word this morning, we do desire that you would prepare our hearts, that you would challenge us in the way we need to be challenged, but most importantly, that you'd be glorified through what is spoken here, and that you would do good work here. For this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you've been following along the last couple weeks, you know that Jesus is at this place of transition. He's in a place of going from maybe behind the scenes, doing some miracles, people have liked him and those kinds of things, but now he's come to a place where there's opposition, people love him, and there's a lot of people that hate him at this time. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been at the Feast of Tabernacles, and I just want to give you a quick summary of where we've been as leading into this week's message that is a part of that feast and this experience that took place during that time. The Apostle John has shared this experience with us 
an eight-day celebration called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, which celebrated the wanderings, the 40 years of wandering the Israelites or Hebrew people took following the Exodus. As we looked at chapter 7 a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jason gave us a beautiful image of Jesus as our rock, the rock of our salvation, and the living water. As the celebration went on for days, on the eighth day, the final day of the feast, Jesus stood up and declared, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of water. The works of Jesus and these claims spurred much debate about him. Many people said, could this be the Christ? Many said, he must be a prophet. While the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees, the Jewish religious elite, sought to arrest him and do harm. Last week in chapter 8, Pastor Stephen shared about the, the debate that continued at the feast as Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Stating that amongst, he made that comment amongst the backdrop as they were remembering the pillars of fire that led them through the wilderness. Jesus made this great claim as our light. The triggered debate with the Pharisees was on Jesus' origin, his father's identity, and Jesus' true identity, which points us to the truth that Jesus is the true light and that our standing apart from him is darkness. Pastor Stephen gave a great illustration of uh, Jesus being our flashlight in the dark. And the Pharisees and you and I are wandering around in darkness, stumbling over our feet, trying to find where we're going. I really love that imagery because I think a lot of us think, I've got it all together no matter what I'm doing. And we're, but we don't even realize that we're walking in the darkness until Jesus, the flashlight's turned on and starts revealing things in our lives. And then we realize... I guess maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I have been stumbling around in the darkness. The debate continues in today's passage as it reaches its final uh, crescendo or close to the debate. Follow along as we read John 8, verses 37 through 59. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my words. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I told the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. For you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I'd like to, as I read that passage, I would like to know what your initial thoughts were as you're reading through that. At least for me, when I was assigned this passage, it brought many thoughts of, how did I get assigned this one? (laughs) This will be a fun one to preach, I thought at that point, or I was scared to preach it, one or the other. But what I did do as I dug into the word is it, it brought up some different imagery and, a di- and it brought up some clarity. The more I prayed, the more I studied, that it was actually a really good passage for me personally to dig into. I don't think it's an accident. In fact, I, will, I even will say, God, it seems like every time I'm assigned a passage, you're working on my heart. And I believe that's how he works in all of our hearts. As we dig into the word, he works through it. In today's passage, we're dealing with the light that reveals. Last week, we talked about him being the light of the world, and now today he's revealing uh, some truth to each one of us. I want to start with a story of when I was five years old. How many of you in here have been five years old? A few of you, all right. It was a beautiful fall afternoon, and I found myself on the top bunk of my bed in my bedroom. My, I don't even know if it was my bed. I can't, I don't believe I ever slept there. But I had three older brothers, and two of them had chased me through the house, and I found myself on the top of this bunk, and I, and I found myself looking down over the edge at my two oldest brothers, Jonathan and Kevin. I still can see it today. Somehow, I don't know who it was, but one of them encouraged me to jump down to them. I don't know which one it was that said to jump, and I don't know which one it's, it was that said they'd catch me. <laughs> but the reality was, 
I didn't get caught. All right. I was a lot more, a bigger risk taker at that time in my life. But one way or another, I didn't get caught. I don't remember much of the next few moments, but I do remember finding myself at the dinner table. I vividly remember my dad asking me what color my cup was and me answering red. And I remember my dad asking me to reach for my cup and me reaching for my cup where it should be. Out of fear, I knew what the problem was, but I was going to make my dad investigate it and figure out what it really was so I didn't get in trouble. But my dad was trying to officially diagnose me as blind. Well, my dad's investigation worked. Uh, I incorrectly answered the color of the cup. It wasn't red. I couldn't tell you what the color was, but it wasn't red. And when I reached for that cup, sitting where the cup should be, somebody had moved it somewhere else. And so I did not grab the cup. I was blind. How many of you in here have been blind before? Anybody had that experience? All right, so that's good. So I can just say whatever I want happened. That's great. You know that experience you have when you get up in the middle of the night and you can't see anything, but you're familiar with the space so you can fumble around easily enough and get from point A to point B? While I was in my home, like I said, I was able to get to the table. I was able to get from place to place because it was all familiar to me. As I think of our passage today, these Pharisees have been in the situation where they've been blind for so long They're comfortable there. They can move along quite easily. But the problem is, Jesus, the light, is flashing on them. And what that's causing is the door of the familiar house, the door to open up. And now all of a sudden, he's challenging them to get out of the house. As long as in my blindness, I was able to stay in my familiar place, I could have survived in that place. But once the door opens and I go outside... It's a whole nother experience. The, the Pharisees are blind, and Jesus is digging in. They knew where their hope came from. They could live as they desired and still be safe. But Jesus declared, I am the light, and it's time to get the blinders off. As we studied this passage, I saw four ways that Jesus goes straight to the heart of the Pharisees, And Jesus reveals the truth in their darkness and in our darkness. Number one, the light reveals our false hope, our false hope. Throughout chapter 8, and specifically in verses 37 through 40 of today's passage, the Pharisees are claiming that Abraham is their father and he's their source of hope. An offspring of Abraham, they believed that they were secure because of Abraham's righteousness. Jesus, the light, challenges this by saying in verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. And in verses 38 through 40, it says, I, Jesus, speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They, the Pharisees, answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. The belief of the Hebrew people was that Abraham was godly, 
and that his behavior and love for God stored up merit for them. The chosen people, the bloodline of Abraham. Jesus challenges this claim by saying that their actions did not match their claimed heritage, but that of another father. Pastor Jason gave a great example a few weeks ago. If you guys can remember, he shared about a trip to South Dakota. Some of us in this room, many of us have probably been on the same trip down through South Dakota. And he talked about the wall drug signs. Do you guys remember him talking about that? He talked about wall drug. And he mentioned that as we go through that drive, mile after mile, sign after sign, it's pointing to wall drug. But Pastor Jason stated that it would be foolish to stop at one of those signs and declare that you made it to wall drug. That is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees today. As awesome as your father Abraham was, he was a sign pointing to me with his hope and his actions. You've stopped at the sign and have put your trust and your hope in it. And then you've been angry with everybody who's passed the sign and actually gone to the destination. Both my wife, Crystal, and I have been blessed to have an ancestry of people that have put their hope in Jesus and have lived it out. But whether they believed or not, we still have to make the choice on our own. For everyone in this room, I think of the the smallest kid, the middle-aged adult, the teenager, the, the senior adult, every one of us and those watching, we have to make a personal commitment to Jesus on our own. Being born in a Christian home cannot save you. Your acts of good service cannot save you. Your baptism cannot save you. Your giving cannot save you. Your religious traditions and rituals cannot save you. Being a youth pastor cannot save you. Don't stop at the wall drug and take a picture with the hashtag, we made it. Don't stop at the sign. Go to wall drug and take a picture with one of those silly statues they have there. Take it and then put your hashtag down. Your belief in Jesus and what he has done for you through the cross is what saves you. Nothing you do, what he did. In the same way, don't allow the pain a Christian has caused you, a bad church experience, trials, non-believing ancestry or parents, be the sign you put in the ground to not choose to move forward toward Jesus either. My second observation today is the light reveals the marks of our true ancestry. Recently, I have fallen in love with a couple clever commercials. And maybe some of you have fallen in love with these two. Maybe I'm just geeky and I really like them. I, would be com- I could be completely distracted during the actual show. Then this commercial comes on and I'd rather watch that. So uh, I just want you guys to at least get a taste and watch this commercial with me. We're at the movies and we need to silence our phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silent. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do is help new homeowners overcome this. Was that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? 
my dad. Yeah. Oh, those are... Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. Look at that. If I could get Progressive just because of these commercials, I'm telling you, they sold me every time. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad. What a great, great, great example of how it works. Like father, like son. We become like our parents. We become like our fathers. And this whole argument today is about us following our fathers. The, tr- the marks of our true ancestry. And I want to give us at least a description of what it looks like from the, scri- from the passage today as well as some other scripture that talk about what it means to truly be a child of God. And what does it truly mean to be a child of our enemy, Satan? So we're going to look at that. I want to look at uh, a child of Satan first. So we can bring those slides up here. From our argument today, a child of Satan or the flesh, they seek to murder. And in your Bible and Scripture, you'll see that if we hate our brother, we are guilty of murdering him in our heart. We cannot bear to hear Jesus or God's words We do not stand in the truth, and we do not believe the truth. If we're children of Satan or of the flesh, that's where we stand. We can't deal with truth. Our truth is what we create it to be, what we want. But we are are misled in our hearts about what the truth is about ourselves, about who Jesus is, who God is, and salvation. The Apostle Paul shared a couple additional passages that give a list of characteristics. And I didn't put these on the board, but I want you to just listen to what he says indicate the works of the flesh in your life. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it states, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul goes on to say, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hopefully I didn't read that too fast for you guys and you were able to pick up some of the things in there. Let me read another one for you. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Wow, what a list. Both those passages, those are powerful passages. And when we say that the word of God doesn't convict, let's take some time in those for a couple days in in your devotional this week, and he'll really be at work in your heart. The Bible says that the, the child of Satan is blinded by Satan. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So not only is it that I'm born in this place where I naturally 
think about number one. But now if I'm an unbeliever, I've got the enemy, Satan, I've got somebody who's allowing me to stay that way. Put me in a place where I can't have hope. And our enemy is really good at blinding the minds of unbelievers and distracting believers. So much so that he doesn't have to work that hard at all. In a world of instant gratification, we fill our lives with distracting and conflicting messages all day long. The people we follow on YouTube and social media, the books we read, the songs we listen to, the stuff we watch, as we fill our minds with these things, it gets harder and harder to hear God's voice, especially if they're the only voices we're listening to. If we're not spending time in the Word, we're not even going to hear God's voice. We're not even going to know what he has to say. But if we're filling our stuff with all this other stuff, no wonder we doubt what we believe. No wonder we have doubts about our salvation because we filled our minds with all these other things that point to me being God rather than God. The Bible tells us that since the fall of man, we are born into a fallen nature. We are told throughout Scripture that the results of that ancestry is death, that the result of that ancestry is separation from God and darkness without light. Children of Satan will not desire to do God's will. They desire to serve their personal will. As I read this list, I see many items that I still struggle with. Anger, impure thoughts, envy, lover of self, pride, arrogance. How about you? As you thought through those lists, did God convict you of something specific? Did he say, Oh, yeah, this one's a uh, struggle I have, or that you have. Does it mean that I'm not saved if I see sin listed in these verses found in my life? If these markers describe your life, Jesus is revealing your need for him. If you are a believer and you see some characteristics that you carry on this list, we need to turn to God for forgiveness and seek him. Only through the Holy Spirit are we able to be transformed. When I committed my life to Jesus as a young adult, I remember I spent time in the Word. I was excited. I was praying all the time. And it was interesting because prior to my commitment with Jesus, I was swearing every other word, uh, coarse jokes with my friends. We're just having, you know, life was just normal. This is how we did life. But it was amazing as I spent time in the Word, as I spent time in prayer, I remember specifically recognizing that my language had changed. I didn't do a 30-day plan of I'm going to stop swearing and that kind of thing. The Holy Spirit was working out that in my life as I spent time with him. It wasn't me doing the work, it was him doing the work. But as I've continued to move in my walk with Jesus, I've found that there's still other areas in my life that have to be worked on. And as easy as that language thing changed, there's some other things that haven't changed quite as quickly and I'd like them to change as quick, but there's still a battle going on. When we commit our life to Jesus, we are taking Jesus' righteousness and placing it on ourselves. And when we do that, he are, we are declared innocent and righteous like he is. But the, our walk with him is a daily sanctification process of transformation all of our life. Every day of our life till we reach heaven and are with Christ. We will be battling sin. We will be in a struggle. Many of these things are going to come up, and 
we just have to continue to go to the Holy Spirit, continue to go to the Word, and allow God to transform our lives. Because at least for me, it's like an onion. It's like you feel like you're getting control of one area of your life. You're feeling God giving you freedom from something, and then it's like, oh, but what about this area? Oh, what about that area? And it's like an ongoing transformation process that we go through. I shared at the beginning how I was blind in my trust fall with my brothers. Uh, after that investigation, my dad did take me to the hospital. And uh, what happened is when you have a severe concussion, um, in my case, it meant blindness, it meant dizziness, nausea. I don't know what, the th- what happened at the hospital, but I do know that when I was there, I started to throw up. I know. Am I supposed to use examples like this? I don't know. But I started to throw up. And I, re- and I remember throwing up and throwing up and throwing up. And what was really cool was with each time I threw up, my vision came back clearer. All of a sudden, I could see a little more. I went fuzzy. Then all of a sudden, I could see a little more and a little more. And all of a sudden, I could see the light through the room. I could see the people. I could see uh, that I wasn't blind anymore. And the same thing is true with our sin. As disgusting as throw up is, that's what our sin is. And so as I removed that from my body, I was able to see clearly who I was and see the light clearly. And the truth is, that's the truth with our sin. As God peels it back and removes the gross, it, uh, we see clearly who we are. We're able to become, see the light more clearly and grow in that. Now let's shift gears and go to a child of God. We've looked at the child of our enemy. Now let's look at a child of God or someone filled with the Spirit. It says that uh, his word finds a place in you. It's a part of your DNA. So you're, it's just who Jesus is, what the word, the promises of the word are part of who you are. It also said that it, it, as a child of God, we do as Abraham did. The Pharisees' defense was their physical ties to their father Abraham, while Jesus' response was Abraham's spiritual ties to his father God. They were relying on the physical, and Jesus was saying it has nothing to do with the physical. It has everything to do with your heavenly father. So what did Abraham do? The, if you look in your Bibles, have you guys uh, read the Heroes of the Faith chapter in your Bibles? Hebrews 11 If you want to do a deeper study on the life of Abraham, go to um, Genesis 12 through 27. But I thought Hebrews 11 gave a good summary starting in verse 8 about Abraham and what he did in his belief. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that was not he had received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, his wife Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past age, since she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the promise." Therefore, from one man and from him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars in the heavens and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These, referring to the heroes of the faith listed in this chapter, died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them 
and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who seek thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is, they, these heroes, these guys like Abraham, they desired a better country, that is a heavenly one, eternity. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be saved. He, he, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. There were some themes throughout that whole passage that kind of encapsulate what Abraham did and what God was desiring for us. Jesus adds in verse 56 of today's passage, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. I love this quote from uh, Kent Hughes in his commentary on John. It says, when Abraham heard the truth, although he lived in an idolatrous, pagan world, he responded with obedience. He heard the truth, he took it to himself, and he became obedient. Do as Abraham did, is what Jesus is saying. What else are some signs that Jesus uh, focuses in on in our passage today? That we love him. A child of God loves Jesus. He believes Jesus. He believes the promises of Jesus. He trusts him. He gives honor and glory to Jesus and to the Father. And he knows the Father and the Son. He has a relationship with him, an ongoing growth that is taking place the child of God. The Apostle Paul gives a, a good summary in Galatians. Many of you know this from Galatians 5. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. John 3.16 and John 10.10 clarify the result of a child of God. You saw the result or the consequence of being a child of Satan or a child of our enemy, the devil. It says that there's darkness, separation, basically hopelessness. In these passages, it tells us that the result is eternal life and abundant life and the fruit of the Spirit overwhelming like that living water coming out of you. And not only in the future, but also today. To sum it all up, there's three questions I think we can ask ourselves to know if we are a child of God or not. Ask yourself these three questions. Do I love Jesus? Number two, how do I respond to God's work or God's word? Does it make an impact in my life? And number three, am I obedient to the word? Do I love Jesus? Is it making an impact? And am I obedient? That's the summary of the Abrahamic recipe we see in the Bible, as well as what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here today. Children of God don't count on their blood ancestry or their personal desires. They find their hope in the blood of Christ. 
Jesus reveals to the Pharisees their false hope and their true ancestry. But throughout, he's also offering them hope. He also is revealing an offer of hope. Jesus reveals the blindness of the Pharisees by showing them the error of their faith while pointing the way to abundant life, eternal life, and hope. Hebrews 12, 6 states, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. If he didn't love, he wouldn't have wasted his time. As we see throughout the Gospels, and we see again in the weeks to come, the message has been the same throughout. Jesus' message has not changed. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he summarizes that option again here for the Pharisees in this passage. His firm words to the Pharisees indicate an urgency of the message and his desire for them to get it. Whether they see it or not, his argument and message has been that same message, revealing the hope and giving an invitation for those who have open eyes. Jesus is calling them to repent. The Pharisees may seem without hope, but as we have seen, God can do miracles in the lives of the greatest sinners, the greatest skeptics, and let's look at a few examples of those. The one that we see the most, and I've referred to even today, the Apostle uh, Paul, formerly known as the Pharisee Saul. He approved of the stoning of the first martyr of Christianity, Stephen, and he passionately persecuted Christians. But in Acts 9, we see that the light, our light Jesus, revealed the truth, and Saul was transformed into what I would consider, who I would consider to be the greatest missionary of all time. And he's still being used by the Holy Spirit today. Even today in the passages I've read to you, Timothy, Corinthians, uh, we'll see Thessalonians later, we see Paul is being used continually by the Holy Spirit to reach into our hearts and grab a hold of what needs to be transformed in our lives. I think of other people that have been touched as well. Modern-day apologists seeking to disprove Christianity. Their goal was to disprove Christianity. But in the midst of that, they saw the light Jesus revealed to them. I think of guys like C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel. And then I, I also thought of another person, maybe the greatest sinner of all, ourselves. Think of your life. If you're a believer, what has Jesus done in your life? Where were you at when he revealed his light to you? Where were you at? For me, I was doing my own thing, on the path to what I wanted to do, and in the process of my just living and having a cold, sinful heart, here, here came Jesus and transformed my life. Jesus desires for us to know the hope that comes only through him. I have a question for you to consider this morning. I think maybe you've already considered it this last week. But how did the year 2020 go for you? What were the highs? What were the lows of 2020? What was your focus on this past year? As you think of those thoughts those, and your actions and your priorities from this past year, what are you putting your hope in in 2021? Are you putting your hope in your income? your family, your career, your school, a vaccine, 
Are you putting your hope in election results? Are you putting hope in, maybe I'll get to play sports this year if you're a student? What are you putting your hope in? The hope we have in Christ should overshadow everything else. The struggles of this world are not, are not our enemy, but Satan is. Jesus is our hope in all circumstances. As we look at the world around us, he has given us all we need for contentment and peace. And as he proclaimed at the beginning of this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, that's where we're at right now, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In today's passage, verse 51, showing emphasis to make sure we pay attention, Jesus proclaims, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never taste death. When we put our hope in Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life with him. Though our physical bodies die, we live forever. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? As we hope for this new year, may our desire be to love Jesus, allow the word to have an impact in our lives, and live in obedience to the word. I know no one who has ever regretted doing those things in all circumstances. My final observation this morning, the light reveals a bold declaration. Over the last few weeks, we've taken a closer look at Jesus and his fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. He has brought hope to some and anger to others. Jesus declares truth of who he is, and he points to the cross, stating many different statements throughout this whole thing from chapter 7 to where we are today. I am sent by God. I am from God. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. When you have seen the Son of Man lifted up, then you will know that I am he. But now the debate and the exchange are over. He doesn't want anyone to miss what they may have missed through some of his veiled messages in this passage or through his conversation with them. He wants them to know plainly. He closes his arguments with a bold declaration, a declaration no other religious person or figure in history has made. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, which means, once again, don't miss this. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am a claim of having absolute eternal existence. The Pharisees would have clearly known that he was declaring unity and equality with the Father. No more room for discussion, case closed. The Pharisees were able to take shots at Jesus throughout the debate, accusing him of being demon-possessed or a Samaritan for any reason they wanted. And like the Pharisees, we also can say and believe what we want about Jesus as well. But when it comes down to it, either he is or he is not who he claimed to be. The Pharisees had to make a choice, and so do we. Will I bow my knee to pick up stones to kill him and remain in my darkness and in my blindness? Or will I bend my knee in humble adoration of the light that reveals true hope? Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much again for your word, and I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit moving through your word in my life and in the lives of believers throughout time.
God, this message is powerful, but God, we have to make a choice. Are we in or are we out? Do we believe, do we not believe? Are we blind or can we see? Is who you are really who you are, and can we trust you? We all have to make that decision, and we can't rely on anybody else to do it for us. God, will you just be with each one of us today and help us to, through your Holy Spirit, help us to see clearly and help us to choose you. God, as we move into this next year, may you be our hope. May we live in obedience to you. May our lives be transformed by you. We thank you so much for what you have done for us through your life, through your death, through your resurrection, and even now as you sit on the throne. God, we give you the praise and the glory this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would join me, I will close with a benediction from 1 Thessalonians verses 25, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. God bless you. Have a good day and a new year. If you'd wait for the ushers, they will um, have you exit row by row, starting with the back. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.